Are you ready to hear the word? We are so blessed today to have with us our pastor, Olin and Sybil Griffin here, and their children, Gary and <clears throat> Jerry Benjamin, and their son is bringing the word, Landon Benjamin. He is one of the associate pastors at Gateway in Dallas, and we're just honored to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me today, and I'm just really, really kind of excited. This is going to be maybe a different talk than you're used to. Um, but I hope you'll receive this city boy from Dallas. Is that okay? I like hanging out in downtown, not in the fields. You know what I'm saying? But uh, uh, I'm glad to be here. So turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm chapter 16. Psalm chapter 16. And um, in just a moment, we'll get to the slide there. But we're going to go a little old school. So you got to open your Bibles. Or click on your phone, whatever, and switch to Psalm 16, starting in verse 5. And I want us to read this together. I'm reading in the New King James Version. The Bible says this, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance in my cup. Can somebody say amen? amen. You maintain my lot. Now pause. God is in control of your life. Thank God, Thank God is right, sir. God's in control. He maintains your lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. And no matter your circumstance today, the lines of my life are determined by the kingdom of God, and those are pretty awesome. Jesus is amazing. Jesus is in control, and he's my inheritance. I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. Can we just bless the Lord right now? Come on, just begin to bless him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. My heart also instructs me in the night season. And here's our key verse for today. I have set the Lord always before me. I'll say it again. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. So my heart rejoices. I love this. And my pulse beats with joy. What a great line. Because I have set the Lord before me, my heart can actually beat now. My body can pulsate with joy. I just want to ask you a question. What have you set before your mind? What, are, what has caught your attention? What are you focusing on? Our, our slide up here says, what I decide, I want us to sit with this thought for a minute. What I decide to pay attention to has the power to determine the person I become. Let's sit with that for a second. I've set the Lord always before me, and because I've set the Lord always before me, my heart can beat and it pulses with joy. But I want, to, I want to submit to you today that what you actually decide to set your attention on, that thing has the power to determine the person you become. We all are focusing on something. We all have put our attention on something. Well, maybe not guys. I mean, we have a nothing box, right, dudes? Sometimes I'll be watching golf um, on the weeks and the weekends 
And my wife will look at me and be like, what are you even thinking about right now? I'm like, absolutely nothing. Nothing. Zero. I'm in a blank space in my brain. But the, the fact is that we've all, we're all paying attention to something. We're focusing on something. And that something is changing us for the good or for the bad. Uh, William James was named the father of American psychology, and he says this, quote, my experience is what I agree to attend to. In other words, my life will become like what I'm paying attention to. And it's not wrong. I mean, think about these verses that might be coming to your mind. Colossians chapter 2, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. It's pretty important what we put our mind to. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not allow this world to mold you into its image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by the renewing of your mind. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, you know this verse, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, this is like a dot, dot, dot verse. It just keeps going. If there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In other words, set your mind on those things. Because what you set your mind to has the power to determine the person you become. So the title of the talk today is The Power of Attention. The Power of Attention. So Father, we just focus in on you right now. We thank you that you're here Thank you for our sister who said, make us aware of your presence. You're always here. You're ever pursuing us, arms ever extended. God, help us become aware of your presence today. In Jesus' name. Come on, can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. According to a study done by Microsoft, the average attention span for a human is 8.25 seconds. That's not good. Anybody competitive out there? I'm pretty competitive. And so that makes me mad. I'm like, no, I promise you I get to nine seconds. I promise. <laughs> I can get there. Which, honestly, that actually means you've already quit paying attention to me like 20 times. <laughs> but this research was trying to prove that our attention span has decreased since the advent of smartphones and the technological revolution. Revolution. In 2000, the year 2000, we averaged a little over 12 seconds of attention span. In 2015, just 15 years later, 8.25 seconds. That's a decrease of four, four seconds of attention span in just 15 years. What's happening to us? You know what's worse than that? The average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. <laughs> We're losing to goldfish. Something is really wrong. What is happening to our attention? In fact, society is in a war for your attention. A battle to grab your mind and to arrest it. Nobel Prize winner of economic sciences, Herbert Simon, said, a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. 
In other words, if, I'm, if, I'm, if all of this stuff, information out there, I don't know what to focus on. It's hard for me to settle down and focus. Now, I don't know about you, but this was, writ- this was written in 1971. I think we're in a gluttony of information at this point. 24-hour news cycles, the Twitter rages, TikTok scrolls, YouTube, Facebook. We are in a gluttony of information. And the best, the the most uh, powerful thing that you and I can possess is the ability to attend to one thing. Economists have coined the phrase, the attention economy, to name the business industry that's trying to make money on your attention. I got to read you this. In a fascinating 2017 article, uh, Mads Holman reports, we now spend, listen to this number. This is 2017, mind you. We now spend more than 10 billion hours a week on platforms like Netflix, YouTube, and Facebook. Not all of this activity, he says, is bad, of course, but some of it is. Actually, he says, quite a lot of it is. As these platforms are funded by advertising, listen to this, watch this, their incentive is to get us to spend as much time as possible using them, even if it's not productive. Look what he says. One of their tactics is to serve you bite-sized distractions that he calls sugary content. It's stuff that's very clickable, easy to consume, and leaves you feeling hungry for more. Doesn't that sound like sin a little bit? He goes on to say more than 80% of our online viewing is determined by algorithms. Okay, now think about this. In other words, the algorithm is telling you what to pay attention to. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, friends. I'm really not. I'm just telling you. If everything you're viewing online, 80% of what you're viewing online is brought to you by an algorithm, then I'm, then I'm being told what to pay attention to, what to value by some system that is pumping me this information. The question should not be, what am I seeing? The question should be, what am I not seeing? What am I not looking at? Did you know that you can Google a word in different cities and Google will prompt you different results for that word based on what city you're in? Listen, friends, we're being fed what to pay attention to. And I just want to submit, maybe it's not the best stuff. Maybe it's not the best stuff. Uh, And I'm really not good at what I pay attention to. Anybody else? Not good at what you pay attention to? I'm really not. I'll find myself like starving for some sort of meaty sandwich and then realize I just watched a bunch of Arby's commercials in watching football. And I'm like, I'm starving for some sort of meaty sandwich right now. They get you. I'm so prone to just give myself to whatever is presented to me. To just follow the trail and just bounce from thing to thing. And I I just say, this is not, I'm not trying to bash on technology or social media. I'm just wanting to submit some things to us. That what has your attention has the power to determine the person you're becoming. 
Is it our conservative Facebook feed that makes us want to hate the liberals? Now I'm just meddling a little bit, maybe. (laughs) Even though our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who persecute you. And yet so often in churches, we find people stomping their feet against the, the man. Who's the man? Wouldn't Jesus probably be loving him? What I decide to pay attention to has the power to determine the person I'm becoming. I want to read you another quote that I find just fascinating. It's by a guy named Sean Parker. He was the founding president of Facebook. And I have it on the screen, so I want you to read it with me. God only knows, he's talking about social media. God only knows what this is doing to our children's brains. Now, pause a second. All you A-type people reading along, pause. We are in the middle of an experiment, a social experiment. This idea of being constantly connected 24-7 has never existed. We don't know what this is doing, and he's actually questioning it. God only knows. We're going to find out one day. And let me tell you, I've been saying this for years now, but I believe, I believe social media is the cigarettes of my generation. At the beginning, doctors are like, it's great for you. It's going to be great. It's good. It's social. You can do it. It's fun. And then we realize it's killing us, giving us cancer. I believe we've got to watch it for our kids. I can go on a rant about that, but I'm not. We've got to keep reading. The thought process that went into building these applications, Facebook being the first of them, was all about how do I consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible? Look, the very, the very point that they were getting at to build Facebook was to try to control your attention. And that means that we need to sort of give you a little dopamine hit every once in a while because someone liked or commented on a photo or a post or whatever, and that's going to get you to contribute more content, and that's going to get you to get even more likes and comments. It's a social validation feedback loop, and it's exactly the kind of thing that a hacker like myself would come up with because you're exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology. The, the, I just am trying to present something here. The, the very apps that, are, that have captured our attention were developed by hackers to exploit your human psychology. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Just encouraged, so loved, just so happy. What this exploitation has done has really developed an all-out addiction to technology. According to reviews.org, Americans check their phones on average 344 times a day. That's one time every four minutes of the the entire 24-hour period. And I want you to put up that next slide. I want you guys to see this. A 2017 study shows that three hours a day was the average screen time for a user of a smartphone. Now, if we multiply that by 365 days, that's 1,095 hours, but then you've got to sleep for eight hours, so let's call it 16 hours of awaking time, that's 68.43 days 
Two months and one week out of the year, look at me, look at me here. Two months out of your year, every moment you're awake, you're looking like this. Two months out of the year. That's two solid months of your waking hours. The average person is doing this. What you decide to pay attention to has the power to determine the person you're becoming. What's even more heartbreaking to me is I'm here with my daughter. She's amazing. Hadassah's here. She's about to be 14. She's beautiful, amazing. 2022 study shows that teens have increased to 7.7 hours a day of screen time. That's almost half the year. Almost half of the year that teenagers are going like this. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. What is this doing to us? What is this doing to my soul? I want to read you one more quote. If you just bear with me, thank you for reading all these quotes that I have. But Ronald Rollheiser, in his book, The Holy Longing, wrote just a prophetic and insightful truth. And I want us to read this. Today, a number of historical circumstances are blindly flowing together and accidentally conspiring. I love this language. It's almost like, who, did you wake up and go, I just want to spend three hours a day on a phone? No. It's like some, somehow this is all accidentally and blindly coming together to produce a climate within which it is difficult not just to think about God or to pray, but to simply have any interior depth whatsoever. Pause. How many, it's just hard sometimes to think about God. The war in the Ukraine, our economic struggles, news is coming at me. Everything is just conspiring against me to, to stop me from going deep in my attention on God. We, for every kind of reason, good and bad, are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. It is not that we have anything against God, depth and spirit. We would like those things. How many of you would like depth of God and spirit and all that? Of course, we all would. It's just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up on our radar screens. Now listen to this lines. We are more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual, more interested in the movie theater and the sports stadium and the shopping mall and the fantasy life they produce in us than we are in church. Pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual lives. Can somebody say that? Actually, that's pretty true. I'll say it's true for me. Did you know Ronald Rollheiser wrote that in 1999? <laughs> He's like, we're too busy. That was before the advent of TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. He wrote that in 1999. Guys, this is increased. And I'm telling you, there's something inside the soul that's just hungry for God. How many are we just hungry right now to get back to simplicity? How many are just hungry to get back to the ways of Jesus? The purity of devotion, focusing on Christ and Him alone. Amen. So I just want to give us a few 
tools that we can go through quickly and we'll be done. I want to pray for some people at the end. But I want to give us a few uh, points, three points, to help us put our attention, understand to put our attention onto Christ. Amen. You with me? Are we sufficiently understanding the problem that's before us? What you decide to pay attention to is the power to determine the person you're becoming. So point number one is this. Attention is the engine for your transformation. Attention is the engine for your transformation. Look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. We read it just a moment ago. Do not allow this world to mold you into its own image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by the renewing of your mind. What I set my mind to has the ability to transform me. So you know that old saying, what you behold, you become? That comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18 says, I behold as in a mirror dimly the, the, the glory of the Lord, and I'm being transformed into his image. As I look onto Christ, I become like him. That's it. As I gaze onto the Lord, I become like him. And did you know your brain can physically change? It's called neuroplasticity. I found this super cool. So um, in London, you know the cab drivers in London? They're uh, super famous. Uh, in order to be a cab driver in London, you have to take this massive test. And in the test, it's, they call it the knowledge it's a memory test, and it's one of the most difficult in the world. It involves memorizing 320 basic routes, 25,000 streets. Within those routes, about 20,000 landmarks and places of interest and the history behind them, and it takes four years of committed study just to be a, just to be a cab driver in London. But What's even cooler is they did a, a, a scan, a brain scan on the people going in before they started this four-year study. And it showed that the hippocampus, the place that stores spatial memory, after they were done with the four years, physically grew inside their brains. Their brains grew to be able to hold the information they needed. Did you know when you set your mind on Christ, your brain will physically change to be able to handle the presence of God. You know where your brain has been in bondage to addiction and chemical patterns have trapped your brain to be stuck. In Christ, he can literally change your physical brain to bring freedom just by putting your attention on Christ. Attention, as it, as it turns out, is the engine of transformation. As I place my mind on it, as I return to Christ over and over again, my mind is physically changed to be formed and renewed into the image of Christ. This is what it's all about. Now, I want to give you point number two. Attention requires selection. It's the engine for transformation, but it requires selection. You got to decide what you're paying attention to. Now, Jesus, how many know Jesus doesn't just show up in your room and be like, pay attention to me. Look at me. How awesome I, I don't know what I'm doing, but look, I'm doing an interpretive dance because we were talking about it earlier. Look at me. How awesome. He doesn't do that. 
we actually have to use our human agency and make a decision. We have to decide that Christ is who I want to pay attention to. And I want to just say this. Maybe for you, what has caught your attention, it's not social media. Maybe you could care less about technology. But maybe what's caught your attention is your future, what retirement's going to look like, freaking out about the stock market and your 401k. Maybe what's caught your attention is that need to be, to, to be seen as somebody. So then you'll just overextend yourself and be busy and be a people pleaser. And you want to, there's something that's caught your attention. So I just want to say, let's evaluate. Let's evaluate what is it that, has, that I'm really focusing on. And I'll give you a key, a key way to determine what that is. When you stop and try to silence yourself, what are the thoughts that flood your mind? Those are the things that you're actually paying attention to. Those are the things that have stolen your focus. Those are the things that worry and anxiety is built on. How many have ever tried to just take some moments and be silent, you know? No, that's hard. I've found that the silence is so noisy. And when I stop to be silent and my mind gets flooded, I realize, oh my goodness, all these lesser things that I have just been focusing on. We've got to decide. We've got to decide what we put our attention on. And um, I, I want to help us to see something beautiful. Um, if you decide today, and maybe from here on out, to put your attention on Jesus, he's pretty awesome. <laughs> you, you know, if, if you really decide that, you know what, I'd rather look more like Jesus than I would the system of the world. If you, if you decide today, I'd rather take on the image of Christ than I would to take on the image of some political party then what is that going to mean for you? Well, I tell you what, uh, it means he's your provider. You'll probably have all your needs met. You know what I'm saying? He's your joy. You'll probably live a full and happy life. Even if you don't have possessions, you've got the one that has all possessions, Jesus Christ. If you put your mind on Jesus, he's the one who hides you in the shelter of the Almighty from any trouble that could come near you. He's the one who causes you to lie down in green pastures. He brings peace to your soul. When we decide to put our attention, when we select Jesus, our soul can lay down and rest because he's in control. Psalm 27 says one thing. What I decide to pay attention to has the power to determine the person I'm becoming. And David says, Psalm 22, 7, 4, one thing have I desired of the Lord. One thing will I set my attention on. One thing will I focus on. To gaze, to dwell in the house of the Lord, to gaze on the beauty of God. One thing. And our last point, and I just want to pray for some people, is this. You've, you've got to realize that attention is the engine 
for your transformation. It's how we change. Number two, you've got to realize that you've got to select. You've got to bring selection to that attention. And number three, you just got to understand that this takes practice. Attention takes practice. And I've got good news for you. Jesus is really gracious. Um, I, I decided to focus on something when I was younger. Uh, for me, I wanted to be so cool. I wanted to be cool. I'm not going to lie. I just did. All right? And so I was the, a kind of a weird kid. I was, uh, I was artistic, and I was an athlete. So you usually have one or the other. I was kind of both. And um, so I was in every musical and play, <laughs> and I was in three sports a year. I don't know. I had no life. Mom, Dad, I don't know why you let me do that. First off, <laughs> I had no life. No, my parents actually, I remember you saying uh, on most of them, you said, you could do it. Just find a ride home. That's exactly right. <laughs> so I did. That's probably why I got so social and uh, able to talk people into stuff. But anyway, I was, I was in three sports a year, and I was in every play and musical that our school had, and I loved it. And so I was in this weird image breakdown. Uh, I wanted to be like a rock star and dress the part, and I wanted to be an athlete and dress the part. So when I was in basketball, back then it was cool to fro your hair, and I've got pretty curly hair, so I froed, I picked my hair out. Do y'all remember this? I picked my hair out and had a fro, and I had a headband. Okay? But I wanted to be a rock star, so back then it was, you had to go shop at, at like thrift stores. And so I went, y'all remember this, and I went and bought all these old clothes. I had, I had skinny jeans before skinny jeans were cool, and I had to, don't worry about it, I had to shop in the women's section, but it wasn't a big deal. Okay? It wasn't a big deal. Don't judge me. So I had all these clothes on, these old t-shirts, raggedy, dirty, ripped up, and I had this afro. I looked, I looked like a homeless person, 100%. But I had this thing in my mind. I need to look like an athlete rock star. And I looked like a fool. On top of that, I had gotten into a bad car accident, and I lost my front tooth, and I didn't replace it, so I had a missing tooth. <laughs> and this is exactly when my wife and I started hanging out, and she started liking me. <laughs> I think there's something wrong with her, actually, but maybe I, maybe I just have a good personality. I don't know. Um, See, what was in front of my mind was to look a certain way, and what happened? I looked the way I wanted to look. It caught my attention. What you decide to pay attention to, it really has the power to determine the person you are becoming. And this last thing I want to say, attention just takes practice and practice and practice like Allen Iverson. Are we talking about practice? That's, <clears throat> he was an old basketball player. Y'all don't know that? I mean, that's fine. It takes practice. It takes over and over again redirecting our minds back to God. It takes taking things out of our life that's hurting us. Maybe you should stop in a moment and just think, what am I doing? What are the practices in my life that I'm currently doing? How long do I spend on social media? How much news do I actually watch? What are the things that, that compose my life? What's hurting me? Why don't you just take it out? 
and add to your life ways of living, practices that help redirect your mind back to God. Because when we direct our mind to God, we actually become like him. We become like him. When, when the Lord, when we have, like David, set the Lord ever before our minds, my life slowly but surely begins to change into the image of Jesus. I don't hate the other. I love the other. I pray for that person who's hurting me. Um, <clears throat> I was just a hot mess. I'm going to be done. I'm going to pray for some people. I was a hot mess in my life, and I remember my dad, who's cool that you're here right now, but I remember my dad recommended a Dallas Willard book, I think it was, to me probably eight, seven or eight years ago. And I was a pastor and a youth pastor at the time, and I just felt this, like I was trying my best and it wasn't good enough. Anybody ever been there? Like I'm just doing everything I know to do to be a great Christian. And still, I have shortcomings and failures and addictions and bad patterns in my life. Am I alone on this or somebody with me here today? Just trying. I'm just trying. I'm just, just doing. Just, I don't know. I just need to get in the presence of God and get more of the Spirit. Still, just couldn't break through. Good things were happening, yeah, but, but I knew inside I just wasn't there. I just, God, I know there's more. And as I, I began to read Dallas Willard and other beautiful authors and, and people like him, it helped me see that trans, there's, there's a part that I play in transformation. Did you know that um, it's only by grace, it's only by God's power that we change? Did you know that? And I have to decide I want it. And I still wake up every day and try to get in God's presence. And how many of you feel this mighty wind of grace and power pull you out of bed and open the Bible in front of you? And how many of you music starts to play when you sit down at your desk and you just sense God's presence? Probably Alan. Alan's probably, Pastor Alan's probably the only one. He floats out of bed by the grace of God. I'm just playing. You know, it feels a lot like your power and my power to get up out of bed and sit down and open up your Bible, doesn't it? And then when you look back, you go, oh my goodness, look at God's grace that woke me up every day, gave me the heart to get up. In the moment, it feels like you. Hindsight, it feels like God's grace. And I begin to see that, man, there's... I have agency. I need to decide this. And Lord, I want nothing more than to put you before my mind. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to have your power, God. I want to have your life inside of me, Jesus. I want to be filled with your love to give away to my generation. Jesus, I want you more than anything. And as I decided daily to put Christ before me, golly, it's not been perfect. 
golly, I still struggle. But good God, has his presence transformed my life? And it can transform your life. Your mind can change. Your body can change. Your heart can change. So I just want to pray for some people today. If you... If you're like, man, I have been focusing on some things that, that are so much less than the goodness of God. There's no shame. That's all. It should be every person in this room. Today, I just feel like God wants to redirect our gaze. Like a good dad sits down to a kid and just goes, hey, whoa, 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 look at me. I feel like God is redirecting our gaze so that our attention can be placed on him. So I just want to pray over this church today. I um, just want you to just take a second, close your eyes, and you bow your head just a moment. Just spend some time with God. And for the good or bad, that thing that you've been focusing on is, is forming you into its image, but today we're being redirected. And if there's areas in your life that you know you've been focusing the wrong thing, it's been capturing your time and attention. Just simply say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, God. Maybe it's your health and you just need to be reminded that the doctor doesn't heal you. Jesus heals you. Maybe it's your future finances. God's your provider not the stock market. You say, God, I'm so sorry. I repent today. And I return. Just tell him I return to you. I want you just ask him, give me a picture of your face. I want you just to try to imagine the face of God. your image of Jesus, if he has a scowl or a frown, that's the wrong Jesus. He's smiling. His arms are extended. He's welcoming you home. Bible says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And so just right now, just in your mind, just draw near. Just run up next to him. Lean on him. Hug him if you want. Say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I place my mind on you. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters today. I pray that your grace, your spirit would be felt in their hearts. Oh God, when the world and the cares of this life seem to, to, to remove us or distract us from your uh, uh, person, from your image, God, would you redirect us? 
Lord, any lesser things, all these other things, all these other news streams and social media and all this information, God, we just repent of it and we, we cast it away. It is not who we are. We are you. We are Christ on the inside. We have the mind of Christ. And so, God, I just pray that that be renewed inside of us. Your words, your teachings, your kingdom is who we are. I pray your blessing over this church today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.